0: Welcome to Sound Practice, the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders, hosted by Mike Sakopoulos and produced by the American Association for Physician Leadership.
1: Leadership skills are not innate, nor are all such skills applicable to every person. Today, we will focus upon leadership skills needed by physicians. We will both identify and examine physician leadership skills. Speaking on behalf of herself, and not in her capacity as Chair of the Board of the Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education, my guest knows of what she speaks. Let's dive into leadership skills for physicians, next on Sound Practice. Karen Nichols is former dean of the Midwestern University, Chicago College of Osteopath Medicine. Dr. Nichols is past president of the American Osteopathic Association. She is currently the chairwoman of the Board of Accreditation Council for Graduate Medical Education. Dr. Nichols is author of the recently released 11 skills every doctor needs to be an effective leader. Dr. Nichols, welcome to Sound Practice.
2: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
1: Uh, it's absolutely a pleasure to to speak to you. Tell me a little bit about eleven skills every doctor needs to be an effective leader. Why did you write the book?
2: Because nobody else did.
1: <laughs> that's that's as good of good of reason as, <laughs> as any. Um, but give me a little background. What what led you to to writing this book?
2: well happy to to do that well I've been teaching leadership for at least 20 plus years and people always say well to, to position students and and residents and people say well we need we need some resources we need some background material and and that has been a huge challenge there are, two really good books on leadership, but they're over 500 pages each. Nobody, no physician has time to, to read all that. And so I went looking for some concise uh, book that might cover things well, and they're generic that's, they're not written the way a physician thinks. And that's the comment I would get all the time. Well, that's not how we, that's not how we approach it. That's not how we think about it. So I I actually have a master's in management that I got before I went to medical school because I didn't go to medical school until I was 28. And I understand that there are basic principles. Now, management and leadership are not the same thing, but that's not my main point right now. I learned principles uh, that apply in leadership. And so I struggled with how come there are things that we do as physicians that aren't exactly the way you do them in leadership, such that when you read a leadership book, it it doesn't ring true and finally finally i figured out that as doctors we are trained for at least eight 12 plus plus years to do things a certain way and it's really important regardless of what your specialty is that you follow those basic principles those basic approaches And that makes you very successful at taking care of patients. But those same topics of how you approach things are not always the way that you approach them as a leader. And so I've seen that that the 11 things in my book fall into kind of three categories. Uh, First of all, the things that you do do exactly the same as a physician and a leader. The second category are the things that you do exactly the opposite as a physician and as a leader. And the third category is things that you should do exactly the same as a physician and a leader and we don't do it. So I wrote the book about those 11 basic things.
1: Well, I'm I'm all in now, doctor. You have to give me an example out of, of, of category one. We'll go through the different categories. But I, as, as I understood, the first category is things that are consistent with your clinical training. Is that is that a fair uh, way of, of categorizing it?
2: Perfect, absolutely Maybe perfect. Maybe you can
1: give us an example.
2: Okay, well, I mean, it almost goes without saying, but uh, character and having an ethical approach, that's exactly the same. Where, where uh, uh, it, with a little more of a fine point, the perspectives that you have to appreciate as a physician taking care of a wide variety of patients, it's the exact same approach you have to do in in leadership. So I'm in Arizona. I practiced here for 16 years, 17 years. And I would have a very different perspective of appreciation when I was taking care of one of my Navajo patients as when I was taking care of a new immigrant from Poland or a different perspective when sometimes a, A underrepresented group that had been very uh, taken advantage of might not trust what I had to say because previous experiences of their group of people in the medical community had been very, very bad. So I had to bring a different approach to them. So perspectives is something that a leader must be very sensitive to and a physician must be also very sensitive to. Does that kind of explain what I'm talking about?
1: It does very well. Now, what about the category of things that, um, for whatever reason, may be be less compatible or less obvious um, with clinical training, as far as leadership? Some things that maybe physicians wouldn't naturally get right.
2: So the the interesting thing there was, I was completely clueless about this because I was in my private practice of internal medicine. I had a very huge practice. I was very successful uh, in in hospital leadership, all those kinds of things. And it never occurred to me that I had a personal approach. I was being a doctor, what, it, what was there about that? I knew how to talk to uh, talk to my patients. I knew how to present what they needed. I, ne- I knew uh, how to have, have a physician-patient interaction. When I became dean, I had never been at that particular school before. I did not know any of the faculty, any of the chairs. And uh, listening tours were very popular at the time, so I just thought, well, I guess that would be a good place to start. So I had 15 chairs. I scheduled an hour with each one. Now, if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs type indicator, there are 16 boxes. I would, after I reflected on this, I think those 15 people filled up every single one of those boxes. <laughs> and, and I couldn't figure it out. How come some of the people never even let me get a word in edgewise? They just talked the whole time. I never even got to ask my questions. Other people I would talk talk to as a chair, other another person, I would ask a question quiet, get an answer, quiet, and I'd ask another question. If I didn't, vol- and, and I've learned to, with that particular individual since is a wealth of information. But if you don't ask, that's not his approach. He, he's an introvert of introverts. And the, I'm my type of judging or perceiving is I make a deci- I'm a judge I make a decision we're gonna do something. The perceiving guy drove me crazy. He would say, "Well, what about the? And maybe we ought to consider this. And this is another piece of the puzzle. And whatever." And it was like, "Just give me an answer." <laughs> and and what I came to appreciate was he did a lot better evaluation of all the options than I did. So bottom line was, I came to understand that not only do I have a personal approach of how how I go about things in leadership, so does everybody else. And it's not that I'm right and they're wrong and, and vice versa. It's that we all bring it, it it's not perspectives really it's it's just how we interact with the world and i had no clue about that when i was a, was a physician
1: well my guess is that your your time with patients was relatively limited right and they were clearly in a question and answer type of format as opposed to a collaborative format
2: oh correct and that's another one of the things Uh, which is different in leadership and being a physician is the principles of persuasion. Just as you said, I would have a patient physician interaction and one of two things would happen. I would be telling them after we gone through the whole process, I would give them the plan of what to do. And again, one of two things, either they did it, or they never came back to see me again. I didn't really have to learn how to persuade. I didn't have to to go through all the techniques of of, uh, scarcity and um, conformity and association. And I didn't have to to do those things. I didn't even have to know about those things because I'm the doctor. I do know what I'm doing. I'll take questions. But having to persuade somebody, now maybe it's a little different with COVID, because you have to persuade patients to take vaccinations. But that's a a smaller piece of, it's not usually part of how the physician-patient interaction works.
1: You're right. It's, It's not typically a negotiation, is it? correct but when it comes to leadership we could see how that would many issues are are negotiated and worked out in a collaborative fashion um what what i'm interested in is the training that goes into being a physician does it help in certain aspects of leadership but not Mm -hmm. in others um is is people move through through life is that training translate to some extent to leadership, either positive, negatively, or neutrally?
2: Well, yes, it it does. Um, And that's really, if I can go to the third category, the things that physicians and leaders do the same, except we don't do it as doctors. And let me give you an example of that. in in communication, uh, this is something that we should do exactly the same. So here's the here's how I present this. When I'm in a workshop situation or lecture in person situation, I ask, "What is the most annoying chief complaint you ever get?" And it doesn't matter if they, what specialty they are, there's always something that is annoying. And most commonly it is the patient comes in and complains of fatigue or the patient comes in and complains of dizziness. So why are these such uh, annoying chief complaints? Because we don't know what they mean. So the very first thing you do as a doctor, now I'm gonna go down the doctor pathway first, what do we do when someone comes in with this vague complaint? We start asking them questions no doctor is going to say, oh, you're fatigued. That means that everybody who's fatigued, what it means is you are anemic because everybody who's fatigued is anemic. We're going to set you up for a blood transfusion. I mean, that's such a silly example as to be not even mentioned, but it's the point. You ask questions. What does, what does that mean to you? In the dizzy situation, it's you start saying, okay, do you mean you're spinning? Do you mean the room is spinning? Do you mean you feel like you're gonna pass out? You ask questions, you drill down in the fatigue. Uh, Do you wake up fatigued? Do do you get fatigued after a a large meal? Do do you get fatigued uh, one day a month? what exactly does that mean to you okay the next thing we do is clarify definitions so explain to me like i said in the dizziness what tell me exactly how that feels give me an example of of show me physically what that means to you or whatever we clarify definitions so those are the very basic principles of communication. Ask questions, clarify definitions. Any doctor who does not do that is not going to be properly taking care of their patients. They're going to jump to conclusions, and so we do that sometimes. But if you're doing the right approach, taking the right approach with your patients, you you follow those two rules: ask questions, clarify definitions. We don't do that in leadership. We're not because we know what those words mean. So here's an example that I give. I was in a situation where uh, six doctor organizations, six nursing organizations, we were working together. This was in 2011 to clarify some issues and Robert Wood Johnson Foundation uh, brought us together, it was a total of 16 days over about a year and a half to to work out some of the issues that we were having between doctors and nurses. And we were being uh, mediated and, and facilitated by a wonderful group. And they announced at the beginning that they had they had facilitated the Middle East peace accords. So I joked at the break, it was too bad they hadn't done something as difficult as trying to get doctors and nurses to talk to each other. (laughs) Um, Right. So fast forward, at one point, one of the nurses said, well, you know, we're independent. Me, I mean, you could have thrown a red a, a, a red flag in front of the doctors, uh, like a bull and a matador. Oh no, you're not independent. The nurse is going, "Yes, we are independent." No, you're, so this went back and forth for quite a few uh, twenty minutes. Finally, the mediator said, "So, to the nurse, what do you mean? What do you mean by independent?" and the nurse said, I have my own independent license. And when I get an order to do a particular um, procedure, administer medication or whatever, I have to follow my license requirements to verify that that is the proper thing to do because I have my own independent license. You could have heard a pin drop Because the doctors meant that, and this had several nurse practitioner groups, that they thought they should be able to start their own separate practice and never have any connection with physicians and would be totally independent. That's not what they meant at all.
1: And how many times do you see that, where there's a miscommunication because one party believes that the comment relates directly to them or vis-a-vis the the independence between the physician and the nurse as as opposed to something totally unrelated with the licensing board, right? Yes. It seems to me we see that often and that's a a good, great lesson for leaders to learn.
2: Well, the the quote uh, I I use a lot is, uh, we don't see things as they are we see things as we are.
1: That's and, and much better said.
2: Isn't that <laughs> what great? I just
1: said? You're absolutely correct.
2: Because that's 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 what happens. I look through I look at everything through my lens. And that's that's not what a physician needs to do with a patient because the patient doesn't know all the words, they don't know all the definitions and we know that as doctors. But when we're in a leadership situation, we think that we do all know what all the words mean and what what uh, what uh, the implications are. So we do we know how to do communication as physicians, and we ought to do it exactly the same as leaders, and many times we don't.
1: The book for our audience who's listening is 11 Skills Every Doctor Needs to Be an Effective Leader. Who's the book really directed towards?
2: Every single physician. That's a really great question. Because I didn't mention earlier, first of all, from my perspective, every physician is a leader and has a leadership responsibility. Even if you're totally sticking with your patients, you what you do has has many uh, tentacles and side effects and such. Um, but there are some other. Uh, leadership book i leadership books out there i buy every book that says physician leadership cuz i want to see what other people are saying and here's what i have found there's some good ones there's some good ones however they're very focused on a physician in a particular setting a physician and running their practice or practice group a physician in a leadership role in a hospital system. There are two of those books that are just outstanding. The thing is, they're like the second step up on the rung of a ladder. None of, neither of them, at least and none I've found, go back to the very basics. You have to understand these 11 skills in order to be successful in employing their pointers in your practice or their pointers at the hospital. And the assumption they 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 make the assumption that you've got those things figured out. And it, I I hear physicians sometimes tell me. I do a fair amount of mentoring and coaching and people say, well, you know, I'm considering this position. I need to learn finance. I need to learn budgeting. Okay, good. If you don't learn principles of communication and persuasion, you it, you will not be successful in communicating what you want to see done in the budgeting or or in whatever realm of administration you're doing you can't skip this stuff. This is basic, basic, basic. I'll tell you, again, I do a fair number of workshops. And sometimes I'll send a list of topics to the uh, I, I usually limit it to 30 people when we were in person. And I'll let them pick what topics they don't pick communication and persuasion. And they get it anyway, because they don't realize that it's not the same. They're very good at it, except not the way a leader does it.
1: So is leadership just leadership, or am I misreading this?
2: Well, that's a very insightful question, because I've I've had people around the country read my book at, that are people I know, and they'll get a couple of them came back and said, well, communication, persuasion, decision-making, that's, it's just basic leadership. I said, I, I didn't say I was making up stuff. (laughs) Correct. It's how a physician looks at it. That is not what you're going to get taught. Again, I have a master's in management. So it's not exactly the same. Management is doing it. Leadership is planning it and, and guiding it. Um, but it didn't present anything. I wasn't a doctor at the time and it didn't present anything except the basic principles. And now when I go back and look at some of that documentation, I see that it wouldn't fly with, with doctors because it's not, making it clear that how they're going to innately do it is colored by being how they were trained as a physician.
1: Well, this is fascinating. I recommend to uh, to our audience today, uh, Dr. Nichols' book, 11 Skills Every Doctor Needs to Be an Effective Leader. Dr. Nichols, thank you so much for taking time and talking to us on Sound Practice today.
2: Thank you very much, Mike. You did it. You're very, you've done your homework. You did a very nice job.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you, doctor. Thank you. My thanks to Dr. Karen Nichols. I highly recommend her new book, 11 Skills Every Doctor Needs to Be an Effective Leader. My thanks also to the American Association for Physician Leadership for making this podcast possible. Please join me next time on Sound Practice. We release a new episode, every other wednesday
0: you've been listening to sound practice the business podcast for physicians and healthcare leaders check out the show notes for this episode at soundpracticepodcast.com if you have any suggestions for future episodes we'd love to hear them email us at info at soundpracticepodcast.com subscribe to sound practice wherever you listen to podcasts so you can automatically receive our episodes and please rate us and comment on the podcast in itunes and google play Sound Practice is presented and produced by the team at American Association for Physician Leadership. We are the world's premier organization for all aspects of physician leadership in every sector of healthcare. Learn more at physicianleaders.org.